Welcome to the Finding Refuge podcast. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson, and I am so glad you're here. This podcast emerged from work based in the exploration of collective grief and liberation. It exists to remind us about all the ways we can find refuge during unsettling and uncertain times. Welcome back, y'all. I am very excited about today's interview. I interviewed one of my dear friends, Shakira Bethea. I met Shakira in January of 2018 when she participated in a skill in action workshop in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. At the time, I was trying to figure out where I was going to live because I was making a move from Portland, Oregon, all the way back to North Carolina. Thank goodness. And Shakira participated in the training and became one of my very good friends, as did many others who were in that training. We've sat in ceremony, we've sat in circle, we have pulled cards together, we have practiced with different divination tools, and it's such a joy to be in Shakira's life. And I'm so glad that she is in the world doing the big work she's doing. Let me tell you a little bit more about Shakira. Shakira practices a natural dance called Rhythmic Bloom to recreate what it means to flow through her life's journey. During her undergraduate studies, she awakened to the systemic rules of wellness, boosting her interest in alternative healing methods that support the whole person. The catalyst to her embodiment of wellness sparked during her training to become a licensed massage and body therapist in 2011. Her bodywork practice focuses on moving through the deep underwater currents of growth to extend the practice of music for musicians and artists. She is a Scorpio, so underwater currents for sure. Shakira continues the rhythmic journey of interweaving social justice and wellness practices as she explores her presence in mixed race wellness spaces. She and other passionate change makers are building a worker cooperative that support shared values of whole body healing, uplifting the voices of their community, and to recreate the meaning of wellness through an anti-oppression and anti-racism lens. An evolving passion project of hers invites singles to welcome a spirit-partnered relationship and live on purpose. Her e-guide, written under the pen name Coco Bonique, You Know Your Dope, Right? Foundational Practices to Living Single, liberates individuals to tap into their natural rhythm and authentic essence to deepen the relationship to self and live with confidence and intention. In her free time, she loves the magic of fireside chats, spending time with loved ones, uplifting dance music and aerial dance as they all bring liberation and freedom to the mundane. Shakira earned her BA in psychology from UNC Chapel Hill and trained with my program, the Skill in Action program, completing her 500-hour yoga teacher training. Her yoga classes are deeply rooted to support inner well-being and create communities that value trust and compassion to work together to create a new system that rebels dominant culture. Y'all listen up and enjoy this interview. Hi, Shakira. Hey. We just did this. We just said hello. <laughs> Nicked in. It's always awkward then to do it again, but um, here we are. Thank you for saying yes to being a guest on the podcast. Um, 
Yeah, we met. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. I'm glad we're going to have a conversation. And we met three and a half years ago now, because I will have been in Winston for three years on June 30th. Yeah. And we met in January of 2018. So, um, and we met through yoga and through skill in action, a workshop that you came to and have been friends since and sat in many goddess circles. So um, I'm so glad that we are comrades and friends and can sit and circle together. And I'd love it if you would tell people a little bit about who you are, however you want to answer the question. That's how I always say it. Who are you? What, what do you do? What are you up to? Yeah. All right. Who I am. I'm Shakira. Uh, Pronouns she and her. I like to call myself a catalyst. That's been the term that I've been using for, I guess, about a year now. And I guess the reason why I call myself a catalyst is because I like to kind of get people stirred up to do something and then see where it goes from there. Um, And with that, I am also a massage therapist and a yoga messenger. I do like to say messenger. I I've been having a weird thing with teacher or practitioner. Like I do practice. Yes, that is real. Um, but am I, am I truly a teacher of yoga or am I just here to give the message of yoga? So I've been playing around with the wording of that and what I feel like I actually do for people. Um, and yeah, and I guess things I do in the world and I don't know everything. I do social media work. I am a daughter and a caretaker for my parents, um, which has gotten a lot easier now. Um, But 2021, of course, you know a lot about this. COVID happened and Mm -hmm. both of my parents were very much affected by COVID. Um, And my mom, she was in the hospital for 41 days. And um, I was like her caretaker when she was able to come home and still caretaking. Um, we do a lot of like zooming now that I'm back in Durham more and doing like yoga and breath work to really build up her lungs and things like that again, which her physical abilities have gotten so much better. She no mm-hmm. longer uses the cane or the walker. So that's like been a huge progress. And, um, but now it's just like a matter of like training her lungs to function properly. So, um, that's, really what I've been doing the most I'd say for just this year 2021 it's only been six months but that's all I've been doing and then like other things are here in Durham working with uh, Sahaja Space and how we are cultivating a culture that's like different from the normal yoga studio and making it more of a cooperative in the ways in which we work together so that's been taking up a lot of time as well and just how we want that to look, what our agreements are, and all the people that are involved. Um, We've taken on two more co-op members, um, which is really exciting because we Mm -hmm. really want to have a range of people. It's been a whirlwind of like things starting and the catalyzing of them all and then how they're going to play out over the next six months of this year. Just, yeah. You are doing so much. I'm really interested in hearing more about being a catalyst and what what being a catalyst means to you. I can tell it means beginning things and getting involved in a lot of things and moving things forward 
but I'm curious to know more about what it means to you. Being a catalyst to me is like definitely getting things started, but also getting things started in a way that's like against the norm. So anything counter dominant culture, I'm all about it. Um, so that I've, I feel like that's kind of what's happening with Sahaja space. And also like with, I didn't even tell you about this, the journal that I have put on Amazon. It was just like, I want to get people thinking a little bit differently than like what dominant culture has told us. So with the journal that I created, it's about living single. And it's like so much of my life, people have told me, oh, you need to get married. You need to have kids. Well, guess what? I got married and then I got divorced. And it was just like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is not where I want to (laughs) be. This is not where I want to be. And then like the idea of like going on all these dates and what that even looks like. What am I even looking for? When do I feel the best about myself? And that was when I was single, when I wasn't constantly trying to put someone else's like emotional capacities over my own. And so, um, so yeah, so it's just kind of like, how can we do this differently and have a result that feels more authentic to us instead of like, I still have to do the nine to five job save up enough money so then I can start my business. It's like, no, why can't you just start now? You can start while you're working at your nine to five job. You can go part-time, you can do whatever it is that you need to do. So I kind of feel like that's what being a catalyst means in my opinion. It's just like, let's do it differently. And if it fails, then we learn something and then we just keep trying again because that's the best way to succeed. You just have to keep failing, know what doesn't work so you can find what does work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Part of what you're naming is is your uniqueness and wanting to do things that are not about upholding the status quo and wanting to do things in your own way. And I think bringing voice to things that may not often be talked about. Right. Like I'm not in many circles where people talk about being single and it's not because I have a boyfriend, like I'm not married at this point, right? It's not because of that. I hang out with people all the time, but it doesn't come up as a, as a topic. It's like, um, and I think that is because of what you named the pressure for people to be partnered, to get married, to have kids, to follow some path that is a quote, um, traditional path. And I hear you saying, well, we have to do something different and that's what you want to elevate part of what you want to elevate. Absolutely. Keep it weird. Yes. (laughs) I want to hear more about, I want to ask you about Yoga Messenger, but I also want to hear more about your journal and, and um, what it's about. And of course I'll include a link to it in the show notes. I'm glad it's on Amazon. It's out in the world, but tell us more about how that came to be and what it's about. Yeah. Uh, So the journal is called, you know, your dope, right? Uh, guide to living single. And so basically it came about because I was single, but also very much trying to stay in what society wanted me to do. Like, oh, get on the dating apps and go date a bunch of people and figure out what you want. It's like, well, I know what I want. And these people aren't really living up to what I need or what I want. So I'm just like kind of aimlessly out here dating people. And so it just became like a way to distract myself, a way to waste time. And uh, so last summer, 
I kind of just came to the conclusion that, you know what, I'm not going to date anyone. I kind of really enjoy being single. I feel like I can focus a lot more and I can do more things. I have more time to myself. And it was a time where I kind of just also stopped drinking. I kind of cold turkey the drinking concept. I was going out quite a bit before COVID happened. And I think I went out the Tuesday before everything shut down in March of 2020. And, um, and I was talking about like, you know, I like really like being single, but I'm also out a lot. And now I couldn't go out at all because we were on lockdown in a way. And so I thought about like, well, what is it that I want to be doing? And I was like, I really have all these great tools and techniques that I've learned over the years that I would love to share with people. And so I started putting them into this idea for a journal, but I had no clue where it was going to go. It was just like... Mm-hmm it's in Canva. We'll figure it out. We don't know what's (laughs) going to happen. (laughs) And um, eventually it started coming together more when I started like reading more articles about like other people talking about singlehood and singleness and what it looked like for them. And um, then I also noticed that a lot of the studies that people were putting on the studies out there in the world, they were always comparing singles to partnered people versus Mm -hmm. like, how are singles having their own experience that are very different from other singles? It was just like, that's what I really want to know because some people are looking for that soulmate relationship. That's totally fine. Some people are looking to stay single forever. That's totally fine. And then there's all this in between of like, I can have a partner, but maybe they live 3000 miles away from me. And like, we're both still kind of living single lives, but like when we come together, we're together. So it was just me also thinking about like, well, I really like being single. Do I think I'll be single forever? Probably not. But right now it was like, no, Mm -hmm. I'm going to just put myself first now. And that's what I need to be doing. That's what other people can be doing. Um, So that's kind of how it was born of just like, no, here are these practices that I really enjoy doing. Now that I'm single, I'm not drinking. I needed something to kind of put my mind on. And I just started to connect more with spirit. And I feel like, I can't remember if it was actually with Lama Rod when we were in skill in action training where we had the ancestral journey. And I was like, oh yeah, I definitely needed that. It was like, I needed to heal that part of me that was just like searching for this so-called soulmate thing. It was like, Mm -hmm. my soulmate is work. (laughs) Right. I will admit I'm a workaholic. I work all the time. I'm always doing something. And um, it was like, that's what I need to really focus on. It's like, there's something that I need to be doing. And a part of that is in my career. So as a massage therapist, I really enjoyed massage. And when we couldn't work, I got really like sad and just like Mm -hmm. not knowing what to do with myself. And I was like, I need to like touch people. Like that's really important for me. And so getting back to work, when we were able to open back up was very helpful in also recognizing like, okay, this is my path. I really am here to like help people through massage therapy, help create that space in their body so that they can also bring in healing in whatever way that is. And so um, the journal is basically full of practices that you can do to really start to come into yourself. Um, And I always, even in my yoga classes, it's like, we're going to focus on gratitude. We're going to start with just three things that you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has always been 
in every single class that I've ever taught. And I was like, if people get tired of it, I'm sorry, but I'm always going to tell you to think of three things you're grateful for (laughs) because it's important to bring that gratitude into your daily practice, because then it's like, you can ground into that and start to witness more things around you to be grateful for. So that is like how the journal starts. And then there are all these other, um, practices in there. So like you can get to write yourself a letter. You um, also get to do like the moon. So there's full moon and new moon practices in there with questions that you can Mm -hmm. follow through journal prompts and kind of work with like the moon cycle. Because once I also started doing that, it felt really good. It's like really nice to kind of have a bi-weekly practice of just what am I cultivating? What has happened over the last month, the last six months? So That's also in there. And then um, there's also like limiting beliefs. So a practice around that and how we can start to eradicate some of those beliefs that we are holding on to that our parents have told us or our friends have told us or the shame that has been put on us for being single and what our single life can look like. Because of course, like I said, it can look very different for each person. It's just basically helping people find like, this is who I am because I felt very lost thinking that I knew who I was, but then people were like, no, 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 you have to go find you a man. And I'm like, you don't even know if I want a man. You don't know what I want. (laughs) You know. So just thinking about like how that can look for multiple people in your life too, who might be single and um, just sharing what my practices were to kind of help me feel a little bit more authentic and just like live my life focus on career, focus on like friendships that I really cared about and loved and also focusing on my family and just because they're like really important to me too. Mm -hmm. And um, over Christmas of 2020, I was thinking to myself and like also shared with my collective care group. I was like, you know, I have an abundance of family and love. And that is what I've really been wanting to create more of. And that just felt so good to be able to say out loud because there was a time where I've always felt alone and just like, I'm in this world alone. You're born alone. You die alone. You know, just like Mm -hmm. going down this rabbit hole of aloneness. And then I was like, no, I'm not alone. I have plenty of people around me that love me and care about me. I was choosing to focus on what wasn't working for me or what I thought wasn't working for me. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, no, I can focus on what is working. And I have great friendships, great family. And I really love what I do in the world, like as a massage therapist, as a yoga messenger, like those were the things that made me feel just more connected and grounded so I could keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, in so many ways, what you named about the practices in the journal, they really sound like they're focused on cultivating a relationship with self. Mm -hmm. And even if the, the perspective may be different, if for example, someone like me who does have a boyfriend partner, I still think the practice is what you described would be really valuable. It's like appreciating what's in my life. What is beyond this relationship, right? What's, what's happening in addition to this, because I don't believe relationships we're not looking for our other half. I always hated that. We're, we're finding someone else we might want to hang out with for a right, while. Exactly. <laughs> right. Or a long while. Like, like you're cool. <laughs> right. We're not like, you're going to complete me. No, we're right. whole. Mm-hmm. And we find another whole person mm-hmm. if we want that. So I know you said the journals is exploring 
practices and focused on people who are single. And in listening to you describe it, I think maybe a lot of people would benefit from deepening a relationship with um, themselves. And thanks for creating it mm-hmm. and yeah. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's like the biggest form of self-care too, is deepening the relationship with self. Because once you can kind of be into that, the way you share it out into the world changes, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm also, I know you mentioned your parents at the beginning of, of this when I asked you what you mm-hmm. do and you mentioned being a caregiver and I'm thinking about being a caregiver and the importance of having some practice to keep one centered as they're responding to all that's going on. And I would love if you want to share some, I'd love to hear some about what practices you engaged during that time when I know your parents were, they were acutely ill and sick and it sounds like they're still recovering but things are not as intense as they were before maybe yeah so I'd love to know what you what you did to take care of yourself what did you practice given all that was going on at the time oh yeah well in the beginning I actually just had to share with um, my morning meditation group so I was showing up to that and actually sitting well it was also online so Mm -hmm. everything was virtual of course so I was showing up to that and just sitting sometimes not sharing after we have our movement and meditation practice but just being in the space with people um and sometimes they would ask me like hey how is it going but there was a time where it was just like there's no news um this was mostly about my mom and um at one point I was like well you know I think my mom is going to die and I have to, mm-hmm. I have to figure out how to be okay with death. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, participants, I'll call her like another mom. She's um, a mom of someone else who's in the group. And she was like, well, you know, death is, death is very difficult, but it is also very much a natural part of life. And so we just had this full conversation around that went over time. People still stayed on because we were just like so into it. And um, I think for me, it was just the opening up about it because I'm very much a private person and closed off. And it was like the moment I said something about how I was feeling, I was like, I have to figure out how to be okay with death because I think this is, this is what's going to happen. And they all just started talking to me about it. And like, from there on, it was just like a good communication um, and connection with the people that showed up, which was very helpful. And so just like the movement and the meditation was great. And then eventually when things got even a little bit more (laughs) devastating in my eyes, it was like movement and meditation is no longer working. I need something else. And I don't know what that something else is, but I need something else. So just reaching out to friends, um, talking on the phone, something I don't really like to do, but it was just nice to hear someone else's voice other than my own in my head, thinking about, well, now both of my parents are in the hospital. What do I do? I can't talk to anyone. You know, it was just like that just kept replaying. And so um, eventually it was like, going to a friend's house to take a bath um, because we didn't have a bath in my old house. Um, So going to a friend's house, taking a bath and just like lighting candles and just like having a time to let my nervous system relax. Um, Mm -hmm. 
because I was, I was amped up all the time. I was on high alert. Anytime my phone deemed or anything that it did, I was just like on it, like news about mom, talking to my sister, talking to my aunts and my cousins. I was just always ready for anything to happen. And so the bath helped. And then, um, also just like going out in nature and taking walks. So once it started to like, I guess it's, it's not necessarily always completely cold in North Carolina, of course, but (laughs) going out to the Eno, like I would go to the Eno when I wasn't in Winston-Salem, when I was in Winston-Salem, just like going to Salem Lake or Mm -hmm. Renolda Village, you know, just like going places to like be in trees that seemed to help me the most. Looking at the green um, helped calm my mind. And I remember when I was working at a early childhood education center, one of the things about it was that, you know, being out in the forest, the green really helps with like ADHD and to bring down the nervous system. So I was just like remembering like, oh, if I can go sit amongst the trees, that green can help me just like relax. And so um, that was also very helpful. And I think that was like the most helpful in general was definitely being out in nature. And, um, And then like being out with a friend was also helpful too, because it was like, you know, if I had something I needed to say, I would say it. If I cried, they'd be there to like hold my hand or give me a hug or something like that, which felt good. It was like, oh, once again, I'm not alone. There are people out Mm -hmm. here that care about me. And now I feel like I've been able to set up my aerial rig outside and get into my aerial hammock and do some poses in there and sometimes just rest in it. That's also my form of self-care, taking my mom on drives. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's not necessarily self-care, but like that was her favorite thing to do. Right. And now she can't drive. It's like, I can take you on a drive. Where do you want to go today? You want to go to the mountains? Let's drive to the mountains and we'll come back. So um, yeah, just like little things like that are really helpful. Warm teas. I don't know. I feel like I did everything. <laughs> everything yeah yeah I mean and and reflecting on what you just shared and thinking about the hypervigilance that you spoke about and I had the same Mm -hmm. feeling when my mom was sick like right what's happening now is this phone call let me call a skilled nursing facility let me figure this out the hospital's not taking care all of it right and being in that state of you know, an overactivated nervous system, what that does while you're working, while you're like, and you had both parents real making decisions for another parent, right? Your father and your mom and driving back and forth um, Mm -hmm. from Durham to Winston. And when you said, well, I I did everything. I'm just thinking about um, our capacity to hold a lot. Mm -hmm. Like we can hold so much. I'm not saying that we should have to. I'm just in listening to what you said and the ways you coped and the recognition that you needed some other things to cope because you had never faced anything like this. Of course, the world was also falling apart too, like the world and your world um, because of your parents being sick. I'm just really struck by how much we can hold as, as humans. And often we don't know that until we're faced with it. It's like, well, I'm in the moment. I have to make the decision. And then, then it's okay well, I I can do this because it's the next thing I have to do. Yeah. Right. And then there's going to be something else. And again, I'm not saying we need to be in a space like that all the time. I'm just really struck by what is possible 
and all that we can respond to. And I can't help but think your practice of mindfulness and yoga and journaling contemplative practices prepared you in some ways for, for this moment when you were faced with two parents who, who were ill um, and yeah. other family members who, yeah. who were ill as well. So you know? many people I, were sick at the same so time. Many I was people. like, what is going on? <laughs> so yeah. many people. Yeah. yeah. And I really appreciate what you said about the moment when you're like, I think my mom's going to die. And not that it's the same. And I had that same feeling. Right. And mm-hmm. it kind of was, it looked like that was going to happen. And, yeah. and saying that to your group, like being vulnerable and sharing that with the meditation group and then, you know, reflecting on what happened in response. Like a lot of people are afraid of death themselves. And a lot of people are afraid of losing loved ones, you know, beloveds, friends, family members, and especially a parent or a caregiver, yeah. someone who's so, so close. And so I think it was really, it probably was very powerful for the group for you to say that, even though you said it for you. Yeah. And I know you, so I'm sure it took a lot for you to say that to people. It did a whole lot. But I was like, at this point, I have to say something because like it can't stay in my head anymore. I have to, I have to open up and maybe someone will help me. And, and it sounds like they did. Mm-hmm. They sat with it instead of moving away from it and telling you it's going to be all right. Like people went there with you, which I think is so powerful. Like that is what we need to do when we're in moments like that. That's what we need to do um, for one another is, is witness that and go with that and be with it instead of avoiding it. So yeah, I'm glad that you have that community. Mm -hmm. Sure. And you feel like now, I mean, I think things are more, a little more settled now. So are you still practicing the things you named or are you still, has it shifted back to what you were practicing before? Because I imagine you may not need the same things at the moment. It's not the same, but maybe you do. Maybe you learn something through that. Yeah. Still practicing many of the same things as before. Um, so still have a, like a journaling practice, still doing morning meditation. I kind of don't get up early enough to do movement anymore, but um still doing morning meditation I'll have tea here and there um I actually went to an acupuncturist and she was like your kidneys um and your adrenals are just they're depleted you really need to think about like doing more things for your kidneys so um a friend of mine she was like well let me make you this tea that's like supportive of the kidneys and um actually got some mini beans that I'm going to make tonight for dinner and just like things like that of just helping my kidneys, of course, recuperate, but taking more walks. So the neighborhood that I live in now, they have like these people's yard, like their yard is just amazing. And so like taking walks around just like the town area, the neighborhood is like really nice. And so, um, if I can't get over to any of the Eno accesses, I just walk around and um, just admire people's yards and just like, you know, this is really perfect. It's still green. They have their beautiful flowers. I get to talk to them because I'm like, tell me more about your garden. Like, what all do you have in there? So that's been like nice mm-hmm. of meeting the new neighbors and kind of um, getting settled in here. It's that and, and just like trying to eat better I'm I still I will have a drink here and there but I'm not drinking the way I used to so like abstaining from excessive drinking has also helped a lot and just like mental health physical health all the healths yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you have that place where you live and that environment to connect with the green things around you mm-hmm. and, and with people through that and nature, because I know how important nature is to you because you've spoken about it a lot and mm-hmm. are in nature a lot yeah. as well. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said at the beginning about being a yoga messenger and sitting with that, exploring that kind of language. My question really is like, you can say more about being a yoga messenger, but I'm thinking about you as a messenger in general. Mm. I think you chose that on purpose. Like you're taking what you understand about the practice and you're interpreting it and then you're offering something out. Right. And I'm wondering if that kind of process shows up. I mean, I think the journaling would be like that too, the journal that you created, right? How do you see yourself as a messenger? I know you said you're a catalyst and I think they're connected, but are there ways that you see yourself as a messenger in addition to being a yoga messenger? Yeah. um, Well, one of them was my message of wear a mask. I didn't say it as nicely all the time. Usually there was some F-bombs in there, but that was like after, you know, you realize COVID is real. (laughs) It's like, y'all, you have to wear a mask. So just like a messenger of like, here's what the wellness industry is giving us or the healthcare industry is giving us. And Mm -hmm. this is, these are some changes that I can see can happen. And so maybe if I just talk about it enough, someone will hear it and we can make some change together. So I feel like that's a way that I'm a messenger. And when it comes to like the yoga messenger part, I think I was just like struggling a lot with yoga teacher. Um, And there was just so much coming out about appropriation and things that I, I, I just couldn't. I was like, you know what? I am appropriating yoga every day. And also I need to figure out like, how to share this practice that has helped me so much without appropriating it. And it was just like, maybe I'm not a teacher. Um, and I'm here as just like, these are the things I've learned. These are the books that I've read. These are my teachers that I've learned from, but I'm just here to send the message. This is the practice. You practice it however you want. And this is how I feel like it can help you in whatever part of the time of your life that you're going through because yoga came to me when I was going through a very tough time and I just did not want to be a part of this world anymore it was just like y'all can have it I don't want to be here but my therapist was like go do some yoga and just kind of like think about the people you're hanging around and just a bunch of different things that could help me change my perspective and so like changing my friend groups and practicing yoga And how all of that brought me to having a little bit more clarity about like, oh, I'm not depressed. I just have really negative friends or, oh, I'm not depressed. Mm -hmm. I'm doing activities that would make someone depressed. You know, it's like just having that recognition coming in. So um, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm actually answering your question, but messenger was the word that came up for me when I was grappling with how am I using yoga in the world? And then as a messenger, I guess, in other ways, I'm a messenger of like, live your life to the fullest, like live on purpose. You want to paddleboard, get out there and paddleboard. You want to go snowboard, get out there and snowboard, go do whatever it is you want to do. Don't let 
the way you were raised or don't let the way society looks at you as a human, like mm-hmm. go do the thing that you want to do anyway. It's not like I'm trying to tell people to do that. I just, I just go do the thing. And then people are like, oh, I really like how you went paddleboarding. Like, can you take me paddleboarding? I'm like, I will find some place that rents paddleboards and then we will go because I don't own a paddleboard. Yeah, just those simple things. Wakeboarding. Oh my gosh, when I first wakeboarded, I was like, this is a lot. (laughs) But, you know, it's like most people are like, oh, that's what white people do. It's like, no, that's what people do. And if you're like courageous enough to go out and do it, you can do it too. But you do need some good leg strength and like (laughs) arm strength because you're going to face plant in the water so much. But yeah, so it's just like, you know, it's not, it's, it's what I want to do. And that's what I'm also wanting to share with people. It's like, it's not what white people do, what black people do, what, you know, it's like what I do, what you do, what we do. We can do it together. We can do it separately. Just get out there and do the thing and enjoy your life and not think like, I can't do that. It's like, no, you can. You might fail at first, but you will be able to do it if you just keep practicing at it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you just said about you'll be able to do it if you keep practicing, it, it's like life. Yeah. If you, you have to practice up life. and practicing, you practice, you can like continue to engage. Yeah. And I'm saying that because <clears throat> of what you said earlier about a time when you were like, I don't really want to be here, right? Or mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to be here. And just what you said about, I know you were you were naming specific activities and I kept hearing like, this is what it means to show up and be a human over and over and over and make mistakes mm-hmm. along the way and to then show up again, right, for yourself and um, what you want. And of course, not at the expense of others. That's not how you're talking about it, but connecting with what you desire is what mm-hmm. I hear. And even if you're afraid, practicing, right? And, and moving through that, which is, I'm um, thinking about what you said earlier about your practices when your parents were very ill. And I mean, that's what you had to do to get through that moment is, mm-hmm. is be like, I'm gonna show up today, which was the practice. Yeah. or I'm going to make this phone call, or I'm going to go sit with my mom. Like that was your practice. Or I'm going to yeah. face, but I don't know how this is going to turn out. So what you named again, you were talking about like wakeboarding and paddleboard, but like, and you're a Scorpio. So water, 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 <laughs> water, and all the water. And I also heard like, Oh, this is what we do when we show up for life mm-hmm. um, and what it is to be here, here now, what it means to be here now. Yeah. Yeah. It's and a lot other, of learning. Yes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're still in that process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I asked you the question about being a messenger because I think that we are messengers when we're able to connect to intuition and to listen, like the way you might in nature or the way answers might be revealed to you or questions as you journal or as you move or as you guide people. And I have witnessed you as a messenger. And so I think the question came from that. Like, I think being a a yoga messenger is powerful in that language in particular, um, because there's some accountability you're talking about in there because of appropriation and you're thinking about your relationship with yoga and, and what it means to be connected to this practice. And I also think you're a messenger beyond that. Um, So that's why I asked the 
where that question came from. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be limited by being a yoga messenger, although you could be do that. And that's like expansive actually. And in other ways, you're a messenger. So I would love for you to share some about anything that's coming up. I'll say this will come out in September. So if there are things that you know are coming up, you could share them. Um, Well, it's an anatomy course for yoga teachers, yoga practitioners, yoga messengers, whatever you want to call yourself. (laughs) But it will happen again in 2022 in the first quarter. And it'll be a two module event this time um, to kind of deepen the practice around body wisdom and also learning more about the muscles in the body and how they work. We deal a lot with like our energetic bodies, but this is really to bring like, which muscle helps me move this part of my body. So when people come in and they're like, oh, I tore my meniscus and the yoga teacher might be like, well, what is a meniscus? And it's like, oh, well, you know, that's in your knee and like maybe it's torn and we need to really think about how are we using our knees in this practice today? Or if you even have a private client. So those are just things to really think about. And it's um, something to have a refresher on every now and then just so we can keep our students safe physically, but also like finding... um, ways in which we can just connect with our body intuitively to know what a person needs by the way their body is moving. That was something that we learned through massage therapy school was you can tell a lot the way a person moves their body, how they walk, Mm -hmm. how they've been down to pick something up. And you're like, oh, I know what we need to work on here. Um, So it's really about kind of finding new ways in which we can see the body in front of us and have the opportunity to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's going to be coming up. And then of course the journal is already out there and, um, I don't know, I always have yoga classes and so mm-hmm. yoga classes will be out there, but you can sign up for the newsletter on my website, train to relax.com and also stay updated that way. And I do have a singles blog called Coco be single. So that's, <laughs> something I'm sharing with people for the first time, the name Coco. (laughs) And so um, y'all can also check out the blog around what single life means to me, practices that I share over there that are also shared in the journal. Um, And just kind of learn like single life can be very different for all of us. And Mm -hmm. we are just out here living on purpose. And so, um, yeah. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, tell me about Coco. What's that? Is that your name? Yes. (laughs) So Coco, Coco emerged uh, in college when I was uh, in undergrad. And one night, my friend, we've been friends for a long time. She was like, you know, you kept calling yourself Coco last night. And I was like, I don't know what you mean. And she was like, I don't know either, but you were Coco. You were not Shakira. You were Coco. And I said, all right, well, Coco it is. So Coco is like my alter ego. She comes out here and there. Um, but I definitely channeled her as I was thinking about like, Coco lives her best life. Shakira will be a little bit more reserved, a little bit more mm-hmm. collected, stoic. You know, mm-hmm. Coco is like, I'm loud. I'm out here. Y'all see me? What's up? what we doing? Like that's Coco. Right. So yeah. So 
I channeled Coco to do this journal of like, this is how people can like really start to live on purpose. So like, you really want that to be the thing. So um, I put Coco in the, as the author, Coco Bonique. And my blog, Coco Be Single, was a play on my Kira B Yoga Instagram, which no longer exists. But um, it's basically like Coco Be Single out here and enjoying it. So y'all can enjoy being single too. Like just keep living and learning. So that's kind of where Coco comes from and what Coco does out in the world. (laughs) I love it. I love that you have Coco, another part of you that you're revealing to the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A slow reveal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time and energy and wisdom today and, and always and your friendship. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for spending this time with me. And I can't wait to wait to see what else you, you catalyze and create. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. We'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Thank you, Shakira. Yes. Thank you, Michelle. I hope mm-hmm. you enjoy your day. I will. You too. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed the episode. So, as you all may know, I have a new book out, Finding Refuge, Heart Work for Healing Collective Grief, published by Shambhala Publications. It was published on July 13th, 2021, and can be found anywhere where books are sold. Along with the book, you can join me for some offerings focused on finding refuge and focused on collective grief, ritual, and processing trauma, allowing it to move through so that we can get free. We'll explore the connection between grief and liberation. You can support the podcast Finding Refuge by telling your friends about it and rating it on iTunes. You can support my work in the world by becoming a patron on Patreon. You can find me there as Michelle C. Johnson, Skill in Action. I offer monthly Dharma talks, rituals, meditations, or movement practices. I hope you join me there. Take care. Be well, friends. Mm